Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. All right, hey everybody. Uh, my name is Adam, I'm the pastor here. Got a lot of stuff happening this morning. And uh, it's a real fun Sunday here at the Vineyard. Uh, if you want to open up your Bibles to John chapter 3, that'd be great. Uh, we're going to be in one chapter for a month. Uh, like I told you last, uh, last week, we're starting a new series this week. The series is called Born. Uh, we're going to be talking about being born from above for the next four weeks. And we're just going to sort of center ourselves in one chapter, John chapter 3. So if you want to know what to read, uh, you can do that for the next month. Uh, it'd be fine if the only thing you read for this month was just John chapter 3. It's, it's infinitely uh, deep and it's infinitely life-giving, so nothing wrong with just camping out there for a little bit. But before we get to the text uh, this morning, uh, I also want to mention this. Uh, we're sharing this series with our friends at the Evanston Vineyard in Chicago, and so we're kind of like, we're kind of working on this together, and uh, I'm really thankful for those people, and especially uh, Ted Kim, who's one of my best friends in the whole vineyard, and Honestly, I'm just kind of working off of Ted's notes this morning, and uh, this is always great, you know. It's always great to have some other input, uh, but uh, we're going to share that because the vineyard is not just in one place, but it's, it's everywhere, and they're kind of like our, we're the country cousins is what I'm trying to say. Uh, they're very urban, and we're very not, and uh, it's, it's really fun that way. Um, the first thing I want to do before we get to the text this morning is I just want to talk to you about seasons of change. And I just want you to remember or maybe think about some seasons of change that you've experienced in your own life and specifically this kind of season of change. Like think about the moments in your life where something happened and then everything afterwards was like completely different. You just weren't the same person. You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe, maybe you remember when you graduated high school. Sometimes it's graduations. There are these demarcations where, you know, you graduate high school and you're and you're, 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 you know, you're, you're, still, you're still your parents' kid, but some things just change. You kind of grow up, and maybe you're charting your own course. There's not somebody telling you what to do all the time, but you're beginning to self-determine a little bit and go, well, what is it I'm going to do, or what is it I'm going to be? Or maybe it was graduation from college, or maybe, or, or maybe there was a season of change in your life that came. Um, maybe, maybe it was a, a relationship, or, or maybe it was a marriage, or, or maybe, maybe even this. Maybe it was tragedy, you know? Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a handful of people in this room and, and certainly in, in next service. You, you, know, you put uh, the 400 of us together over two services, there's, there's just people who have experienced tragedy and certain tragedies mark you for the rest of your life. How many of you know that? Pain has a way of changing you. And before the pain, you were one way and then afterwards, you were different. And, and maybe you never, you never are back to what you were before. Um, uh, there are these moments in our lives that, that change us. And, and in the context of the text this morning, uh, I, I hope you're also thinking about the time when you met Jesus. I'm hoping you remember that moment. Um, some of us in the room maybe remember that as a particular day or a, or, or a moment or an event. Some of us, maybe, maybe you went to church and you were not a person of faith and, and like the Spirit of God touched you in a service or maybe it was... Maybe it was a prayer meeting, or maybe it was like a home group or a college group, and all of a sudden, 
the, like the gift of faith, the gift of trust came into your heart. And, you, and after that, you were just like a different person. You know, that's, that's literally some people's story in this room. But it isn't everybody's story. Uh, for some of us, it was like a slow, gradual, almost waking up into faith. How many of you have that story? It wasn't like an instantaneous thing, but it was like, it was like you were waking up out of a sleep. Uh, anybody, anybody ever experienced that in the morning where you're in that halfway you're not asleep, but you're not awake. Sometimes, sometimes the real change in a person's life isn't instantaneous. It's like that slow waking up. Uh, I personally, uh, I resonate with both of those like experiences. Um, I grew up in a household of faith. Like my mom and dad were Christians. They were radically transformed by the charismatic renewal of the 1970s. My earliest memories of faith as a kid are being at my aunt and uncle's house in like a home group setting. And it would have been my parents with uh, some family members and then some, uh, some other people as well in a house. And I remember them like reading the Bible and I, and I remember them uh, singing and there were no instruments, you know? Uh, the people, people were just singing worship songs to Jesus with no, I mean, they were like really committed to God, you know? There was nobody playing a guitar, nothing. And, and I remember us kids would be kind of like in the corner, like drawing or something. And uh, I, I remember at my one aunt and uncle's house, you could actually get behind the couch and you could, you could draw. And I, just, you know, those are just sort of like the moments that I remember in terms of my early childhood faith. Uh, so it was almost this thing where God was always present in my life. There was not really a moment where I didn't believe in God. But then at the same time, I remember when I was maybe 13, uh, a pastor came to my house and he, and he visited my sister and I, and we sat at the kitchen table with him. And I also remember on this day, he opened up the Gospels, and he flipped the pages. And in about three spots, he read to us about Jesus. And he was, he was basically telling us the story of Jesus giving his life for us. And I remember he ended by reading a passage in 1 John, where it talks about Jesus gives his life, and he used this word, propitiation. It's like, what the heck is that word, you know? I remember that <laughs> distinctly. And, and it's really weird. Even though I was a kid who grew up in a household of faith and like God was very present and that was just very normal for me, I remember in this particular moment with my sister sitting next to me and my mom in the other room, this pastor at the table, I remember I became distinctly aware in this moment, I, whatever Jesus was, I needed him. And he could no longer remain the background music. He had to be the leading melody. Does this make sense? Yeah, and so, you know, for those of us maybe in the room who have this day where something happened and you were different, I resonate with that. But for some of us, maybe it was slow and gradual. I resonate with that too, because it seems as though those experiences kind of were my experience. It was like slow, 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 and then instantaneous, you know? And it changes you. I totally, totally resonate with that. Well, uh, our project for the next few weeks is to look closely at John 3, and we're going to dig into this kind of life change that's available in Jesus. Uh, some people call it conversion. Uh, some people call it getting saved, even though we don't talk about getting saved here much at the vineyard. We talk about following Jesus. Uh, Jesus calls it uh, being born again. And uh, uh, this moment, I want you to know this, church, this moment stands as a gateway of every person into the kingdom of God. Uh, his uh, Conversion is in every historic creed. 
Uh, every, every statement of faith made by the global church around the world has this idea inside of it that at some point the message of Jesus has to become personal to you and it does something to you and it makes you a different person afterwards. There's like the person you were before and then there's the person you were after. And, and there's this thing that's inside of the church historic and that we're a part of where every single person eventually has to come to the place where they realize that Jesus isn't just talking to the people out there. He's talking to you. He's talking to me where it becomes very, very specific. And so here's what we want to do over the next few weeks. We want to unpack some questions. And today's questions are these. And Cody, maybe we can put these up. These are the questions we're going to work out of this morning. Number one, what does it mean to be born again? Number two, who is it for? And then number three, why? Why be born again? Especially since many of us here have already had this experience. Why? So what does it mean? Who is it for? And then why? And maybe we'll go ahead and put the text up this morning. John chapter three, we're just going to read three verses. This is, this is it. There was a man named Nicodemus. And he was a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless a person, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That'll be our text this morning. Those words born again, they're in the text this morning. They could also be translated born from above. That word again has a lot of meanings and uh, it could also be, it could also be translated as above. And so the idea that it carries here, uh, especially when we think about being born from above, that's what Jesus was saying. uh, The idea here is you got to be born from another place. Jesus was like, Another place. And he's also, in some ways, when he's talking about being born from above, he's talking about there's like a superior place. There's like a, a superior uh, place, a superior uh, kingdom, uh, and it has a lineage and it has a heritage. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that Jesus is saying is when he's talking about being born again or being born from above, is he's saying, you know, uh, uh, there's, there's this thing that makes our parents our parents, Right? And, and there's this thing that makes, that makes us their children, and it is this, that we were born from them. And so to be born from above means being born from another parent, and that other parent is God. This is what Jesus is saying. You've got to be born from another place. There's like another, another kingdom, another, another domain. And when he's using this word born, that's tapping into this idea of children and parents and the thing that makes parents parents is that we were born to them and the things that makes children children is that we were born to parents and Jesus is saying listen at the end of the day Nicodemus you have to be born of God brand new parent this is why John says in chapter one yet to all who did receive him to those who did believe in his name he gave the right to become children of God children not born of natural descent or of human decision or a husband's will but born of God Born from above means complete identity change. You know, you have this earthly identity. It's rooted in who are your, who's your mom and who's your dad. But Jesus is saying there's, there's a superior identity and it comes from, from this, this thought. Who is your God? 
Having a complete identity change. It means a new beginning. That's what births mean. Births are new beginnings. You can have a brand new beginning. Some of us in the room need to know that this morning. Like you've, you've lived your life and maybe it's gone well or maybe it hasn't. And, and maybe you're looking for a fresh start. Here's the good news. You could be born again. You could, you could have a brand new birth. All births are new beginnings. And you could have your identity rooted not in your job, not in your success, and not in your parents, and not in where you're from, and not in the things that you've done or you haven't done, and not in your failures, and not in what society says, but you could have your identity rooted in a God who loves you forever. It means that we belong to the family of God, and it, mean, it means we belong to his kingdom. Of course, at this point, we probably ought to talk about sin for a second. Probably ought to talk about sin. Uh, the root of sin, in many ways, is, is in resisting this identity change. That's what sin really is. Sin is like resisting the truest identity that our, that our best version of ourselves and our truest selves is rooted in being a child of God. That's like, that's everything grows from that. And, and to sin is ultimately to resist the idea that I'm God's child. And by the way, uh, some of the saints have said this. I want to read you a quote from Soren Kierkegaard. We're going to the Nords this morning. Here's what Kierkegaard says about sin. He says, sin is this, in despair, not wanting, not wanting to be oneself before God. It's that idea of hiding, isn't it? And faith is this, that the self in being itself and wanting to be itself is grounded transparently in God. No hiding. No hiding. Augustine, he says, sin is curving into ourselves and turning away from God. And being born again is turning our whole selves back toward God, unafraid, unashamed, surrendering our need to make something of ourselves. Born again is when we stop hiding and stop self-determining and we get our identity from God. And then maybe a more Modern saint, we give you two old ones, we give you one more modern. Pastor Keller from New York City, he says this, sin is the despairing refusal to find your deepest identity in your relationship and service to God. Why is this sin so tempting? Well, there's so many places to gain identity. We look for other places and other ways to gain our identity. I've already mentioned some of those to you. I'll name a few more. Some of us, some of us have tried to get our identity in being a good parent. You know, that's what we want to be. We want to be good parents. You know, most people don't wake up in the morning and go, you know what, I'd love to be a really bad dad. <laughs> but some of us, you know, we, we want to get our identity in being a good parent, the best parent. And that works really, really well until one of your kids throws a massive fit in public. <laughs> By the way, it will happen. And your identity will crumble. <laughs> All that work out the window. Everyone's like, who, who, is, who is this kid? And who is this parent? Or maybe you want to get your identity from being a nice and a kind person, you know? My, my, my goal in life is I'm going to be the nice person. I'm going to be the kind person. But how long can we keep it up without becoming resentful and bitter? Can I tell you something that I've noticed about people who are really positive over the, all the time and really, really nice? 
Oftentimes, unless there's a deep work of God, underneath is sitting a simmering pot of resentment. Get our identity from a lover or a spouse or a friend. Can I tell you what that is? That's a one-way, a one-way trip to codependency. You know, you want to get your identity from your, from your spouse? Welcome to codependent land. You're going to therapy in five years. <laughs> or maybe more commonly here in the United States, it's success. We always have to talk about the American success gods. It's, it's the core narrative that runs through our culture. One place our culture constantly wants us to get the metrics for personhood from is, is just success. Uh, our culture loves a winner. That's what it means to be a person. But how many of you have figured out there's always more? Like whatever success you have, there will always be more. The goalposts always move. Like, you know, if you think uh, once, once I get this much money, then I'll be happy, you know? And, but how many of you know there's always more money? Or there's always somebody who has more money. Or, or once I get into this school, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my identity from being a successful, really brilliant person. I'm going to get into this school and into this program. And then you get into that school and you get into that program. You find out there's 50 people who are smarter than you. And not only that, but it maybe isn't even the best program or the best school. There's like Stanford, you know, and they didn't even talk to you. <laughs> No matter how smart and driven, there's always somebody smarter. No matter how much money you have, there's always somebody richer. You know, if you want to just put it in Enneagram terms for a moment, it's just like Enneagram 3 stuff through the roof. Like American culture is Enneagram 3 to the max. Like we will chameleon, we will shift shape and change. We will do anything we can to get ahead, we will always say what the other person wants to hear in order to make the next move and to win. Like our culture loves a winner. But again, the goalposts, they always move. And how many of you have ever had an achievement, like worked really hard toward an achievement, gained the achievement and realized that the buzz from the achievement lasts about this long? Have you ever noticed that? You ever bought a new car and like three days later, you're like, meh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the worst thing to ever spend your money on is a car. Because like three days later, you're like, I don't know. I don't, I mean, a little, I don't know, you know? Or, or maybe, or, or maybe you like, you know, you're like, you, you train for a race for six months and you run the race and you finish and everybody at the end is like, yeah. And then you go home and it's like, yeah. Yeah, there's like, there's like a 12-year-old kid who ran the same race and he beat me by four minutes. Yeah. Well, here's the good news. The good news about being born again is that we get, we get plunged into a different kingdom with different priorities and baseline realities that never change. The measures of personhood and success change like the wind here in our culture, but in God. In God's kingdom, this one thing never changes, and that is this, that God's love is always and forever for you. Like, that's just the baseline. Amen. Never changes, it's never conditional, and it doesn't move. So who's this for? What does it mean to be born again? It means 
to be born into a new family. It means to get all of our identity from God. It means to stop resisting having our personhood be formed by the person and love of God. But number two, who is this for? Well, it's, it's for everyone. Notice that Jesus says, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom. Maybe we can put that up again, Cody. It's verse three. Jesus says, if you, unless you're born again, you can't even see the kingdom of God. And how many of you know that Jesus wants everybody to see the kingdom of God? Right? Who's it for? It's for everyone. And I love this part of the story. You got Nicodemus here. Notice that Jesus is having a conversation with him. And here's some things you ought to know about Nicodemus. Uh, he's, he's wealthy. He's, he's like, he's not a poor guy. He's a Pharisee. Uh, he's a smart guy, like super well-educated, uh, got some cash. Uh, he's got prestige. And when it comes to at least the Old Testament law, he's righteous with God. He's like trying to do the right thing. Uh, he's, he's trying to do, he's an upstanding person. Everyone in the culture would have been like, ah, that guy's probably okay, you know, probably okay. He would have seen himself as being in right relationship with God. And notice that Jesus's message to the rich, well-educated, put together, uh, righteous dude is, even you have to be born again, Nicodemus. Who's it for? It's for everyone. Even Nicodemus, even Nicodemus is not exempt from this good news. He must surrender all of his other identities and find himself totally in God. He's got to be born again. He's got to be born from above. I love this idea that Jesus is offering level ground. Jesus is inviting the up and out, Nicodemus. And you know, if you've read the gospels, he's always inviting the down and out. But I love this passage because it's Jesus inviting the up and out. And I want you to know something this morning. Uh, there's a lot of people in this room and you're down and out. You know, you got troubles and you need a fresh start. You know, maybe, maybe you got a life of addiction. Maybe you didn't plan on being an addicted person, but here you are. You know, uh, maybe it's substances. Maybe it's alcohol. Uh, maybe it's just like your phone and you're wasting literally your one wild and precious life looking at your phone for seven hours a day. Maybe it's that. I don't know. But, but you need a life change, you know, and you're down and out. Or maybe your relationships have exploded. Or maybe all your best efforts have come to nothing. Uh, here's the good news. Uh, you can have a life change. You could be born again. You could be born from above, from a superior place with a better love and a better father. That's for you today. But here's the other part. Some of us in this room are doing pretty well. You got some money. Uh, other people in Campbells will talk well of you. Uh, you you've you even tried to love God. and You've, you've tried to be a, a nice and a kind and a good person. You've tried being a good parent. And everybody in town's like, you know, that's a decent person. Well, here's the good news for you this morning. Uh, you, could, you could let go of the performance and you could, you could fall into the arms of God uh, this morning. Uh, this invitation to be born from above is for the down and out, but it's also for the up and out. Jesus is talking to everybody. Maybe you're doing well, good. You gotta be born from above. Maybe you need a fresh start. That's great. Time to be born from above. By the way, it's all grace. It's all grace. How many of you had much to do with your first birth? <laughs> this is why I love this idea of being born again. I love that Jesus uses that word born. Uh, no, do you not realize that nobody in the room decided to be born? It, like your, your, very, your first life, it was just a gift given to you, wasn't it? Right? By the way, your life in God is, is the exact same way. It, it is ultimately, it is the will of God 
that you would be welcome into his family. Right? That's all grace. You didn't even get a vote when you were born. You just received it. No matter your station in life, desperate or well off, no matter your accomplishments or your failures. And the grace of God this morning to you just is free. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 through 9. He said, For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the free gift of God, not by works. Why? So that nobody can boast. Why? In the same way that a baby didn't decide to be born, man, even, even the new life that God offers, it comes to us just as free. All you do is you just, you just receive it. You just, you just receive it. And by the way, I love this particular scripture here from Paul. It so echoes this John chapter 3 thing because in many, many ways, Paul and Nicodemus, they're coming from the same stations in life. They're both educated. They're both, they're both like Pharisee dudes. They were both at the top of the food chain in their social order. And yet Jesus comes to Nicodemus and says, you got to be born again. And Jesus comes to Paul and says, quit persecuting my church. I've got a plan for your life. Later in life, Paul said all of his accomplishments were rubbish. He eventually wakes up and realizes that above everything else, grace is better. So we'll review here for a second. What does it mean to be born from above? It means total surrender of our lives to God and principally to the love of God. Total surrender to the love of God. Uh, who's it for? It's for every single person. It's for the down and out, but it's also for the Nicodemuses here. You know, It's for the people who feel like they've got it together or maybe people who others in town would say have it together. It's for every single person. And why? I just want to nail down really quickly a few reasons. We're talking about being born again this week and the next several weeks because the gospel of Jesus Christ sits at the center of our identity at the church. Like, that's what it is. The good news that no matter where you are, you could be welcomed into the family of God. Why are we talking about it? Because this is the center of the gospel message. Everyone can be welcomed into the house of God. And secondly, just want to think about our births for a minute. Uh, we were born into new life and into the family of God through the work of our parent, God, who sent his son to the cross for the forgiveness of all of our self-determinations and our self-reliances. But just like at birth, we don't give, our, we don't give birth to ourselves. Uh, our mother did that. And, and we just need to remember that even, even this morning. Why are we going to spend some weeks here? Because, because the life of God, it's received it's received. It's not something you earn. You're not making it happen. You didn't make yourselves be born. And when it comes to being thrust into the family of God, it's the same thing. We have to remember, even for those of us who have been baptized, even for those of us who have been a Christian and a disciple of Jesus for a minute, we have to remember everything in the life of God is received. It's received. Third reason we're talking about being born again, it's all grace. It's all grace. Uh, grace, it's like so elusive. And it's the, it's the thing that is easiest to lose touch with, even as a Christian, uh, that God would want to do something for you, that God would be offering you the best every minute 
and that God would be coming to you at your lowest points and giving you his strength. And oftentimes it's one of the first things that we forget. I mean, there's a reason why Jesus says at the communion meal, remember me. I keep coming back to this idea of remembering. Why? Because we forget all the time. We forget all the time. Number four, why? Not only are we trusting, not only are we receiving, but when we receive the life of God, it always calls us to action. And that action, you know, if you wanted to put a church word on it, you'd call it repentance. Like, turn around, change your mind, right? Like, you receive the life of God and it draws out a new action. And one of the things I've discovered in my life is the receiving and the beginning to believe part or the trusting part, sometimes that's the easy part. But when the life of God becomes active in my life and then all of a sudden I have to change my mind or change the way I think or begin to turn in a new direction, that's sometimes the harder part, isn't it? And this is what we want to do over the next four weeks. We want to remind ourselves of the grace of God and the life of God and the family of God and the love of God that we've been invited into so that we can keep on changing our minds and changing our direction because, goodness gracious, we never outgrow the need to change in these kinds of ways. And this is why we're preaching a series on being a born being born again, it's so easy to forget. And lastly, why are we preaching a series on being born again? How many of you know sometimes you just have to celebrate your birthday, right? Right? Like this week, like this week, one of my one of my best friends had a really important birthday. And we got to celebrate him. And some people said some really Great things. It was wild. Like people were sharing some stories and just telling this person what they meant to them. And I was standing in the room getting blessed by listening to people talk about another person. It's the wildest thing. But it, it, it crystallized for me in a very specific way how, you know, one of the things you do uh, is you, you don't just celebrate the birth once, but you celebrate it when? Every year. Every year. And what about the life of God? Like, there's something about it. We need to remember. We need to celebrate. And it's weird. Like, by remembering and celebrating, it's, it's, it's insane how, how it causes it to come alive and go deeper for you. Have you ever noticed that? Like, things you'd kind of let go of, they come back. And so that's what we want to do for the next few weeks. We want to say, you know what? This is at the center of the historic church. To be, to be drawn into the arms of God, to receive the free gift of grace, and to, to run toward it and to remember. And we also want to say, for anybody here who has never experienced these things, the invitation is open for you. So if you're on the band this morning, why don't you come up? If you're not in the band, why don't you stand up? I'm going to pray. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.